Welcome to the show. Paul George here with Adam Conk talking all things the art of living. Paul George. Great to be with you, Adam. What's going on? Oh, spring is in the air. <laughs> yeah, right. It's fall, actually. but No, it's actually kind of getting to winter, isn't it? Yeah. No, no. no. Well, we don't have a difference between fall and winter, and I think that's no. what people need to know. There's really no difference between fall and winter in Louisiana. That's right. So... Anyway, man, I've kind of been in and out of stores, and ha- have you seen this? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Yeah, I'm for real. It's nothing really exciting, actually, but Christmas decorations are already out. Yeah. Like, literally, like, all over the shelves, all over the place. So, here's the question. Are you an early Christmas decorator or a late Christmas decorator? Well, Paul... We kind of change every year. <laughs> You're inconsistent Christmas decorator. Totally inconsistent. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. But we are, we're in the slow process of converting from a strict, we don't put any Christmas thing up until Christmas Eve kind of people Oh. to now kind of the opposite. So, so okay. Yeah. So, so you originally followed like the, the actual liturgical calendar. Right. And then it's just like you had kids, and then kids ruined it. Well, that, and then I just kind of chilled out a little bit. You know how <laughs> you can get real excited about a cause in the church, like taking back Christmas, or yeah, let's do Advent, let's do it for real, <laughs> yeah, all the way through. But then, but then you grow up a little bit, and you kind of chill out. Yeah, and you could still do Advent. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you could still do Advent and get excited about Christmas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, what about y'all? Um. Well, I mean, traditionally, like when it comes to actual, just kind of Christmassy things, you know, tree or whatever, just to get in the mood, we don't do anything before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. I took that as a given. Do, do some people actually decorate before Thanksgiving? I think some people do. That is something. Um, so, I don't know. At some point after Thanksgiving, like we'll, we'll slowly build into Christmas. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the, the thing we were going to do this year, which, again, we change every year, but one of the motivations was we used to have a fake tree. Right. And I grew up with a real tree. My wife grew up with a fake tree. So, of course, we, we ended up doing a fake tree mm-hmm. for the first few years. Yep. And it just wasn't the same for me. I was just like, you know. So I didn't care when it went up. You know, if it's going to be Christmas Eve, we'll do it then, whatever. Well, then two years ago, she let me convince her to get a real tree. And that's and exciting. I was so excited. Yes. So we went out really close to Christmas. And then Christmas season, as you know, was pretty short. And then the tree was gone. I was like, that's not enough time with my tree. Right. If you're going to get a not. real tree, you got to get it for longer. Yeah. What, what, I mean, you could meet in the middle, go half and half. Could, could you have a half real and half fake tree? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Look, let me just tell you, my, I, my wife and I's first Christmas tree... We were married. We live in this small apartment. We had z- no money, man. We were, we, you know, we were broke, you know, married. And so we went to get a tree. And, you know, the tree to us was expensive. It was like, I don't know, it was maybe like 80 bucks for a tree. And I was like, that's a lot of money, like 80 bucks. So we didn't. So they had one, no lie, that had the top had been chopped off or knocked off. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the top the top third of it was was like flat, you know? And we're like, well, what about that one? And they're like, oh, we'll give you that one for like, 
you know, half off or something like that. So <laughs> we get this really full tree with no top. <laughs> and then we bring it in. And then I I folded the top up and duct taped it so it kind of made the triangle at the top. When you say duct tape, you mean literal? Literal duct, duct tape. tape. And then I put the angel over the duct tape. And then it just <laughs> it worked great. So... <laughs> There you go. Merry Christmas, Georges. Speaking of Merry Christmas and the holidays, you know, it is a fun time. It's an exciting mm-hmm. time. We we get into the season, and it's really supposed to be and should be and can be a very joyful time, right? A merry uh, time, a time of memories, time with family, time with traditions and, and friends and, you know, all these great things. But if I can be honest about that, I think if all of us here and all our listeners uh, – the holidays can also bring stress mm-hmm. and anxiety, worry. Uh, I mean, whether it be, you know, job situations or money or family, right? Like dealing with family situations and coordinating calendars and thinking where you're going and traveling and whatever the case may be. The reality is, is that there's something about our family that sort of highlighted good or bad during the holidays. Like it all sort of comes to the forefront. Which is really kind of the nature of holy days, holidays to begin with. You remember our Lord talks about, look, if there's an issue between you and your brother, go settle it first, then go offer your gift to the altar, right? Right. And so there's this kind of natural and supernatural thing within us that as we approach the celebration of something, especially religious, yeah, it kind of necessitates dealing with stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you can't run from it. No, you can't run from it. So as Paul and Adam talking all things art of living, kind of going to lean in today, bro, talking the art of family around the holidays Ooh. and how to how to deal with the stress. And But here's what I want to, the, the groundwork, like just to lay sort of a foundation for what we're talking about today. Here's a couple of things. Number one is this, is that there is no perfect family. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you're looking for a perfect family, if you're wishing for a perfect family, uh, if you're wanting to be the perfect family, the perfect husband, perfect wife, have perfect kids, there, here's the reality. We just all need to get over it. There is no perfect family. Your family is not perfect. Other people's family is not perfect. And sometimes we can see on social media and pictures, we're like, oh, they're the perfect family. Here's the reality. We're all imperfect. There is no perfect family or situation. Amen. Would you agree to that? Oh, absolutely. And even the holy family was not a perfect family. And like, whoa, what'd you just say? It's true. Joseph yeah, Joseph was part of the equation. Yeah. The poor guy. <laughs> the poor dad ruined it all. So. He didn't stand. <laughs> no, a but chance. the thing is, God doesn't need us to be perfect. Right. That's that's not his expectation. Right. His expectation is not for us to be perfect. It's actually in scripture says when we're weak, he's strong. So mm-hmm. so let's not let's not get that together. Now, but here's the second thing that we need to know is that there are some families that are more imperfect than others. So let you know, acknowledging the reality of Maybe your situation or someone else's situation is worse than someone else's. Maybe you come from a divorced home or experienced death or disease or dysfunction. Uh, and just acknowledging the fact that maybe there is some pain in your family or some anxiety that comes up with your family. Uh, and the holiday season really brings that to the forefront. I often say, like, either your family puts the fun in dysfunction <laughs> or the funk in dysfunction, <laughs> right? Like, but whatever the case may be, like there, there are some things there that we kind of have to acknowledge. Now, that doesn't mean that we play the victim. It doesn't mean that we don't have hope or we can't have joy in the holidays. 
But I think we can't acknowledge that, yeah, some people's experiences are different than others, and maybe yours is worse than others. And if we are more or less functional as a family, still the responsibility of all of us is that we do something, especially during the Christmas season where the Prince of Peace is born and preparing for that, we do something to bring about a situation of greater peace than there was without us, you know, that year after year as we get together, it becomes more and more peaceful, there's more joy, and if there's, if that's not happening, then we should do something to try to, but to promote peace, not to win our argument or to whatever, and so uh, even if we're in a highly functional family, we still should be trying to improve and to grow, yeah. and if we're in a very dysfunctional family, we should be trying to improve and grow, so it it's really kind of a um, useless distinction sometimes to think about how dysfunctional my family is, where I have the same responsibility, whether it's functional or dysfunctional, to make life better for the people in my life. Yeah, and it could even be our immediate family, uh, you know, extended family, whatever the case may be. Here's the third thing we need to know. Sometimes it's, honestly, sometimes it's easier to love people outside of our family than our own family. Oh, amen, yeah. Sometimes it's easier to go serve at the soup kitchen buy presents for a needy family and we feel really good about ourselves but then in our own home or our own family functions you know like it's hard for us to love those people you know sometimes we have empathy for other people and other families and other situations or other people's kids or other you know whatever more than we do our own because i think there's a lot of maybe hurt resentment and pain there and you know the challenge for me and all of us is that uh yeah, we need to love other people. We need to serve and give and do all those things. But uh, we can't do that in, in lieu of loving the very people who are in front of us every day. Yeah, like Mother Teresa said, right? Charity begins at home. And we can distract ourselves pretty easily with loving a lot of people that we don't live with. Um, and then in the holiday season, that will translate into us going above and beyond the presents we buy, with the time we give to certain things, with the parties we attend, but not investing in the things that will really bring us greater peace, which is our, our own family, those close to us. Yeah, no, absolutely. So this is good. We're going to dig into this conversation. We're going to come back. We're going to go deeper. Oh, Paul and Adam talking to Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George, Adam Kaw, Art of Living. Dude, yeah, the holidays. So what's your... Holidays! Uh, um, what's your... Like, do you guys transition from, like, Thanksgiving into Christmas? Do you leave things up? Do you even decorate for Thanksgiving, like, fall no. stuff? Yes. Yeah, so, yes, Marianne loves to put up pumpkins. Yeah. Uh, leaves. Like right. Wreaths. Now, why can't you just keep pumpkins around even when christmas like i don't understand like people are like i gotta get the pumpkins out i gotta get the fall wreath out and put the one you know like i don't understand maybe it's just because i'm a guy uh, maybe you don't like pumpkins no i like pumpkins okay well then it's not that but i mean 
it's a fall thing, so by mid-December, you should probably get those pumpkins out of there. Yeah. But, I mean, you could you can go into Advent with pumpkins. I don't think there's any rule against that. There's no rule. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Like, what's the rule? People just make things up. No, I wouldn't make, like, pumpkin candles for your Advent wreath or anything like that. So what's your favorite thing to either decorate <laughs> or eat during the holidays? Well, I love to eat everything, so I'll go with decorate. I mean, the Christmas tree. So what we're, we're going to do this year... We did it last year, seemed to work well, is the weekend after Thanksgiving, we're going to get our Christmas tree. There you go. See, you just started a new tradition, Adam. Mm-hmm. Look at that. You're such a heathen. Well, what we did was, and we're going to do it again this year, is that at different feast days during Advent that makes sense, we matched things to do with the Christmas tree to get ready for Christmas. So, for example... Uh, the Feast of St. Lucy, December 3rd. Lucy means light. Apparently there's an Italian tradition that that's when the Christmas lights go up. Mm-hmm. So we put lights on the dang tree, you know? Stuff like that. That's a nice gesture. Yeah, and it it's I still feel Catholic doing it. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't uh, you know, sold out to the pagan holiday. You don't have to holiday. feel Catholic to be Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> it's such this, you know, honestly, like there's such this, like, guilt. Oh, yeah. Catholic guilt. Our, you know, Christian guilt around like traditions and around holidays is almost like it's almost like you walk around like who's judging me for mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You're like who's judging me for putting up my tree right now? And there are people. Oh yeah, there are people who are judging, judging me right now because right I now, just said that. there are haters, <laughs> and haters are gonna hate. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of haters, we're talking about family and and sort of you know how does this all work and and then and then how for us can we allow God to work? in us and through us in the holidays. But here's the good news. You know, we all come from perfect families. Some people's families are more imperfect than others. Sometimes the tension's there and it's easier to love other people. But here's the good news that we look at is first and foremost, what we need really to understand, and I think this is a great reminder for me, is that God God understands family more than anyone because God is family. Like God's very nature is family. So when you when we see you know, in the book of Genesis, the plural, when God uses us as as the as the language, we know Father, Son, and Spirit are living in relationship together. They're, in a sense, you could say they're family. They're they're living in a family unit in community. So God isn't isn't absent from understanding or knowing family. Like God is family, and so it's not like God created the families. Like I don't know, this looks good. Good luck trying to <laughs> do family. I know nothing about it, right? <laughs> right. And he has experience with dysfunctional family even, you know. Look at the history of his people as he's incorporated them into his family, you know. It hasn't been a walk in the park. Right. Um, and so he has he has experience of being abandoned by people who are supposed to love him. He has experience of people being dishonest with him as if they could. And so, and, when I, and of course, when I say that, Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of this. I mean, Jesus abandoned on the cross, Jesus lied to by his friends, Jesus uh, surrounded by sinners his whole life. And so we have a God that sympathizes with anything we're going through this holiday season, for sure. Yeah, so so God is family, and God set up the family. You know, so when God created, and God created Adam, he says, you know, it's not good for man to be alone, like I'm you know, create a partner for him, a suitable partner. Like God, God created the family unit. Like he created us all to live inside a family. I think oftentimes the tension is when we have tension or dysfunction 
in our family is that we want to almost like live outside the family unit. Uh, and, and, um, and the reality is that God created us to live inside the family. Like that's where we thrive. That's where we become fully who we are. Yes. I get it that sometimes things are really difficult or even maybe in your extended or immediate family, like things might be really, really hard right now and you might have to deal with some really tough things, but God created us to not live alone, to live in partnership and in community. And that first community is actually not the church community. The first community is actually our family. That's our unit. Like that's what God designed us to live in. Yeah. I remember working with, college students some time back and I was so impressed by the amount of people that had bad relationships with their parents or their siblings but right. were coming to all the church stuff. Right. And I remember this one time this gal answers the phone in the uh, in the center there and and she just totally lets her mom have it. I mean just like like who would talk to their mother who, this way, right? Yeah, who <laughs> what is going on? Gets off the phone and then it's like Oh, back to that theology question we were talking about. <laughs> and I was like, yes. there's, there's something of a disconnect here. Yeah. Yeah, so God is family. God created us to live in family. But here's the reality. Here's where family fell apart. And I think we we got to understand this and acknowledge this, is that w- what divided the family was sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, sin divided the family. Adam and Eve, sin, they blame each other, right? Like, there's the first sort of, like, split in relationship. Now, of course, they go high, and they go high together, from what we know. And God goes in search for them, but then they have kids, and Cain kills Abel, and like you see the dysfunction. And the dysfunction isn't just around like, oh, I don't like you. The dysfunction is around sin. Yep. Like when when sin continuously to enter into our life, our world, and our home, that's where division begins to happen. Like yep. we we can all acknowledge that and see that if we have family members who are struggling or far away or dealing with things or even, you know, kids or whatever, or in our marriage, we, we understand that it's sin, it's selfishness, it's pride, it's, it's ego, it's, it's actual choices that we're making that are sinful that is causing us to be divided. And a lot of the tension at the holidays is having to look that sin in the face and not really knowing what to do. And before we start pointing the finger to other people's sins, which we could um, easily, you know, the, the, I think the idea of scandal here is important because scandal is your sin inspires me to sin, right? And so if we're all approaching our family holidays and the other person's sin is loud in our mind, like this situation, our focus should really be on, okay, obviously this is not good what they're doing, but how is this inspiring me to sin? Yes. And that's where I need to be focused and watchful and vigilant um, because... I don't have to react in a sinful way to another person's sin, but it's going to come through an intentional examining of the situation, getting some good advice from people, and then choosing to love the best I can. And I might not get 100% right, but it's easy to get 100% wrong if I just give in to the temptation to, to sin because of someone else's. Absolutely. So here's, here's one thing that you can be, you and I can be, two things that you and I can be guaranteed of every day, like, like hands down. Yeah. You know, you can talk about, yeah, there'll be air every day. You know, we may not be able to breathe it, but we can be guaranteed of two things if we're alive. Uh, here, here it is. God loves us, right? Uh, and two, uh, the enemy will do anything to convince us otherwise, right? Uh, but, but taking that a step further is this. If there's anything that you want to, 
to know that the enemy wants to do in your life is to divide your family. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to bring chaos into your marriage. He wants to bring, you know, confusion to your kids. He wants to bring division into your home. Like there's nothing more that the enemy wants to do in your life than bring chaos to your family. Um, and, and that's the battle, you know, I mean, we look at the world and what sin's doing to the family, honestly, like the divorce rate's still 50%, right? Uh, 50% of people get married and divorce, right? And then their second marriages are at the same clip around 50%. So you get married again, you do the same thing, right? Um, and then what's happening is a lot of young adults are just opting out of getting married. And so what we find ourselves now is that 45% of the adult population is choosing to stay single. They're not even getting married because they're basically saying, like, why would I want to do that? Mm-hmm. Or been there, done that. Yeah. Or been there, done that. And then why would I want to do that? So then I'm just going to live single, alone. So I'm so so Satan's one in a sense. The enemy's one is saying like I'm going to get this person to live outside of the family unit, where, where they're going to where they're not going to thrive, right? I because I, I we're created to live in family and in, and relationships. So you see the pattern of what sin and dysfunction and, and where that where it's trending, and the the enemy wants nothing more than to keep that going yeah and when all of that boils to a lot of sinning going on on christmas it's a pretty big victory for him yeah so if you want to fight for anything (laughs) and if you know where the battle is then it's easier to recognize okay what what am i fighting today like what am i battling against well it's it's your marriage and and your kids like that that that's where the enemy wants to divide and conquer you know and so it's important to really understand that more than anything else well, and, you know, St. Teresa of Avila has a great quote that I think that's applicable here. She said that we really only love God as much as we love the person we hate the most. Something like that. Hmm. We really only love God as much as the person we dislike the most. or We only treat him as well as the person we treat the worst. Wow. Um, and it's something to think about because all of us will have that one person in our life, probably in our extended family or closer that we see around the holidays that just irritates us or something like that. And what a great victory it would be for the kingdom if somehow I figured out a way to love this person really well, exactly where they're at, not expecting them to change, but I just figured out how to love this person well. Yeah. The The alternative is just, just be okay with, I don't want anything to do with this person. Yeah. But that's not an option for the Christian. I mean, even if it's, because if I'm, if I'm going to say that, I don't want anything to do with this person, I should be committing myself to daily prayer for that person, at least. Right. If I'm going to say this person's so far gone that I just don't want a relationship with them, then I should at the same breath say, but I will pray for them constantly until we can have a relationship. Yeah, no, absolutely. Failure is never an option for the Christian. Right. Right. But God's fighting the battle. And so right. here, here's the great news. And it's like, how do we begin to have steps to having a joy-filled Christmas, like a Merry Christmas or holiday season, whatever the case? How do we not allow like all the external circumstances to determine our joy and our peace and our love? How do we not allow the dysfunction of our family or the things that we're facing or, you know, whatever the case may be? How do we... How do we actually just embrace the season and try to experience and have joy in the midst of it? 
Because here's here's a reality. No one ever says, you know what? I want to be miserable in the holidays. I want to continue to fight with my family. I, I want to, I want, you know, to to not have a joy-filled Christmas. But I think there's a lot of people and there's been times in my own life be like, I can't wait for the new year. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to skip it all and just get to the new year and let's just get on with life, right? <laughs> um, because you know, it, that's easier. That's easier. But how can we actually come into the holidays and, and have a new experience and, and new life and new hope and new joy? Because guess what? The holidays come back next year and the next year and the next year. And so, like, it, isn't it time for us to, like, say, hey, how, how do I change or how mm-hmm. do I have new hope in my life around the holidays? And and so here's here's the good news, and here here's a few key things that we're talk about that, that I think really s- could set us on a new path for this. And now here's the first one. It's more of a theological step, but I think it's it, we've got to understand this more than anything. Now, if God created the family, he, God restores the family. And here's how God s- s- restores the family: God sent Jesus into a family to live inside of a family, right? The savior of the world. Now, God could have done anything he wanted. You know, we could use our imagination. Like, he, he could have saved us in many ways. This was his plan. I don't know. You could say he, he could have been like, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, put Jesus in the woods and he's going to be raised by like a pack of lions, you know, and he's going to grow up and be like a jungle man. I don't You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. but God chose to bring Jesus into the world through the family. And it's not because there was no other options. This is part of God's plan because God, in doing that, restores the family. Jesus comes to undo what Adam did, right? Jesus is the new Adam. Jesus comes to undo what Adam did. Adam brought dysfunction into the family from sin. Jesus comes in to restore the family. And so in the midst of this, this, this little infant child, the savior of the world, is born into a family. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. And we join that family. I mean, there's a, in the Old Testament mind, the king is something of a father of the family, the kingdoms, like King David, for example, right. um, was something a father of the people in the place of God. Um, and so his mom was something of the mother of the kingdom, the queen mother. Because David had a lot of wives, the queen should, couldn't be one of them. But so, in other words, when you were a member of the kingdom, you had a certain participation in the royal family. And so, Christ, who's the true David, the new David, but also legitimate heir of David, and Mary, his mother, who's the queen mother of this legitimate kingdom, like we, by being Christian, we join their family. And so, Christ, we join a redeemed family. In other words, we join a, that restored family you were talking about. We belong to the church. The church is that family with Christ that we can belong to. And so the Holy Family is not just something 2,000 years ago that happened, but it's something that happens as we journey together towards heaven. Yeah, no, so, you know, it, and, and here's the reality, like family's messy. Well, here's the beauty of, of what God did through Jesus is that Jesus didn't enter the world, enter to a family, uh, and everything was perfect. You know, we talked about that earlier. Like, it wasn't an ideal situation, being born Mm -hmm. in a cave or in a manger, being born under dictatorship. You know, we know Herod murdered every male child in the area two years and under. 
you know, the Holy Family had to evacuate into Egypt. Like Jesus was born in chaos, just yeah. as we are. We're born in chaos, right? We're born in a world that's super imperfect. Jesus was born in that same world. Okay, so we can't like look at it and say, oh, Jesus 2,000 years ago was born in sort of this utopia. God sort of protected the world around him to be perfect so he could be born. No, Jesus was born in the same world we're born in, a completely sinful and perfect world. And so Jesus chooses to come into our imperfection. And so as God sent Jesus 2,000 years ago, uh, Jesus wants to be a part of our family today. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus can come into and does come in and restore our family and like, Here's the second point, that we have to grab hold to or we'll never have peace and joy and happiness in our life and in our home, is this. And Revelation says, I have come to make all things new. Okay? Jesus comes to make us new, make our family new. And we, we we can intentionally invite Christ into our family and into our home and say, look, I don't know what to do. But but God, you got to take control over this. Like you got to be the Lord and center of our home and our life. You you need to clean up, and I'm just going to lean into you. I'm surrendering, right? Yeah. And I think the more we have that in mind, the more courage we have in in the holidays. Because I mean, one one of the reasons there's tension year after year is because you know if we're the Christian in the room, as far as like we're the serious disciple, and there's still tension, we probably lack a lot of courage to actually deal with the situation. Mostly courage to look interiorly in our own participation, whatever the heck's going on, but also the courage to love the other person really well. And so the more I have the sense that Christ is the source of my life in this family and mm-hmm. I need to draw close to him, the more we're filled with that spirit of courage to really go there, yeah. you know, and not in a way that's harmful, in a way that's helpful. Right. And Jesus wants to be a part of our family. So it's not like... It's not like God used the family to get Jesus here. Let's understand this. Like, Jesus was born and obedient to the family at the same time. So when when they lose Jesus when he's 12 in the temple, because he's, like, talking to the theologians in the temple, and they're walking back, and, they, you know, they're in their caravan, and they're like, where's Jesus? And they can't find him, and then they find him. Uh, and and then, you know, he's, you know, 12 or whatever the case may be. around. And then it says that he, he went back to be with his family. Like, like he could have been like, I'm God. I don't need you guys anymore. Like, I know everything. You see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like he went back. He says he went back and he, he was with his family. Like he lived in the family and Jesus wants to live in our family, be a part of our family. And I think it's important that we claim that, you know, and you know, the old Testament scripture says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it's like, it's just claiming the reality that we want to be the center of our home we want to be we want to make all things new and god who restores the family through christ we've got to claim hold of that so if you want peace joy happiness you want sin to be weeded out you're not doing it on your own so you need jesus i need jesus we we have to ask jesus to be a part of this yeah he's the only one who could do it he's the only one who can do it all right when we come back we're going to talk maybe a little bit more practical things that we can do as the holidays approach. We'll be right back with Paul George. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, 
Solidarity HealthShares members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam in studio. I, I, I. Yeah. So you still haven't told me your favorite thing to eat during the oh, holidays. Lord. Everything. I now, eat. when I say holidays, like I'm I'm going like all like through. Thanksgiving through, through New Year's. Yeah. Like, is there one thing like if so here's I'll ask the question a different way. If if you got to the new year and you n- didn't have that dish, you would regret it. Okay, I'll answer that, but it doesn't quite, it makes it seem like I love it more than I do. But if I didn't have eggnog at some point during the Christmas time, I'd be like, why did I not have eggnog? Okay. But it's not like, it's not your favorite. Eggnog, eggnog. So does eggnog have more to do with nostalgia than it does taste? Absolutely. Because the thing is, well, more like I missed out because that's the one time a year I'm going to drink this thing. (laughs) Now I got to wait a whole year. (laughs) Right. Dude, you ever made eggnog ice cream? Little uh, little tip for the listeners. Talk if you have me. an ice cream maker, yeah. literally all you have to do is throw eggnog in it. That's it. Because it's already got like yeah. the, the cream. It's and cream and it's sugar. Just throw it in there and you'll thank me. Wow. Yeah. Tip of the day. Yeah. Holiday tip. <laughs> Holiday tip from Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dude. A, I'm a Martha Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I love, I love the, uh, steps you're giving us. Cause I mean, really now's the time. I mean, it's a month till Christmas, but before we get into the hustle and bustle of everything, now's the time to really think about it's coming. Things. Yeah, it's coming. So here, here's the first step, you know, as we, we've kind of laid some groundwork and that, that it's important for me, obviously to, to be reminded of all those things. But he, here's the first step is that a healthy family starts with me. It starts with you. Like, like oftentimes we could say, you know, if so-and-so changed, if so-and-so did something different, my kids were behaved better, my husband or my wife were different, or, you know, if my parents or like, we, we can constantly put blame. And I'm not saying like other people don't need to change, like, but a healthy family starts with, with me. Okay. And our, our holiday experience, our marriage experience, our parenting experience is as good or bad, as happy or sad as our childhood. That's our starting point. It's not our end point because we talk about how Christ comes to renew and and restore. That's our starting point. So maybe for some of us, we might the holidays might bring up stuff that might be important for us to look at, mm-hmm. to talk about. Maybe we need counseling. Maybe we need a process with our spouse. Maybe we need to... Uh, change certain habits or behaviors or things like that. But what I have found is that the holidays in particular already, they bring up issues that I have. It's just the holidays are the platform to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. But the holidays can do one or two things. It either can lead us back into the same behaviors and, and, and almost like more depressed or the holidays can actually be the very thing that catapults us into a new life, into a new conversion, into doing things a new way, right? Yeah. And so a healthy family really just starts with me looking in the mirror and say, what is it about the holidays or the season, the stress, the anxiety, the fear, the worry, dysfunction that's bringing up in me that I can deal with to grow in holiness? Yeah. 
or you know what what do I see in other people's lives that I know I'm going to see around the holidays difficulties I know they're going through challenges where I can be a better light to them in other words maybe I get along okay but could I be a better Christian like could I be a better friend could I be a better cousin or uncle to this child because I know they're in need of it this year. You know, something happened. Um, maybe somebody died close to them or uh, some major disappointment that I'm aware of. Right. You know, I could plan now to to challenge myself to be a better friend and a better family member and better Christian for that person. Um, but you're right, it starts with me. And And the way it starts with us is it starts with us leaning into our relationship with Christ. Because when we're when we're locked step with Jesus, here's what people can't do. They can't steal our peace. They can't take our joy. They can't remove our happiness, right? We're, we're in control with Christ of keeping that, right? And so the interaction here or the holiday party here or the family, like, like we allow all these outside circumstances to steal and dictate our life Mm. And when we're locked up with Jesus, he dictates it. Yeah, part of that, I think, what I'm going to work on this holiday season, I, I took a interesting class recently on uh, different cultures within the church, but like within the world. And it was interesting, kind of looking at the Latin American and, and uh, Asian cultures, especially Christian ones, Catholic ones. Um, the sense of we is much more prominent than yeah. here. We have a sense of I. It's like when we think of a family gathering, we think of a bunch of eyes getting together, a bunch of individuals with their own life, their own values, their own whatever. We're all going to get together in the same room, and that is stressful because it's like, you know, um, I don't know if if I take a, a closet full of clothes and I just jumble them all together and then put on an outfit, it's probably going to be chaotic and crazy, you know, if we're all so different. But in those other cultures, other experiences of being Catholic, there's a really strong we. So when the we gets together. We have values. We have hopes. We have dreams. We have ideas for the coming year, you see? And so it's not so much a gathering of a bunch of eyes, but a strengthening of the we. And so I've noticed in myself that I've allowed certain things around me. Look, I love being America. Don't get me wrong. Great, you know, America. America. All right? It's wonderful. But there are aspects of our culture that are not particularly helpful sometimes and I think for me I've never really considered this before and so I've just kind of allowed individualism to dictate how I function in family gatherings like that so I'm going to be intentional about using the word we when I'm with people you know instead of saying like what do you think or what do I think about xyz what do we think about what do we think of eggnog yeah what do we do we like eggnog do we like eggnog (laughs) ice cream let me let me show you let me get to that do we like that? But no, but, do, and that seems like a small thing, but for me, it'll affect, it'll affect my behavior just rethinking how I see the people around me, you know? Yeah, so that's great. And I think for all of us, it's kind of looking at the season saying, what can I do? Like, God, what are you asking of me? But it's important that we understand that so much of this starts with us, right? It mm-hmm. starts with us first, and then and then we go from there. And then where do we go from there? Um, you know, for, you know. I think for for us people who are married with kids, like we have to look at our f- our family unit first. You know, a lot of times we can say, well, you know, I got to worry about all these other people. 
but the people we have to worry about first is is the 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 spirituality the holy the 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 focus of our marriage and our first family unit mm-hmm. right and then we got to set boundaries around that and say this is what we're doing and then outside of that kind of kind of talking through what are our expectations outside of our family unit where we're going to travel who we're going to go see you can only do so much and if you overextend and if you're constantly like the last thing you want is for your kids to look back and be like we just went all over the place with people we didn't really like right and mm-hmm. we never did anything together and we never were focused on what christmas or the season was really about you see what i'm saying yeah so a lot of times you have to pull back no matter what people think and say about you and say what are the what's the most important thing for our family unit first and then and then extend from there only to the point where you feel like it's healthy but again take some dialogue about that and soon before advent for example where okay as a family what are we going to be doing this year you know um how are we going to decorate where are we going to go and so that you can have this sense of unity and togetherness from your family that will translate, and as y'all go places, as we go places, it will translate into us being a force for unity, a force for togetherness in whatever situation we're in, because we first learned how to do that with each other through the whole process, you know? Yeah. Um, and then our... Yeah, and I, I mean, I the, think the family is the school right. of life, and so if we can teach ourselves well the type of thing we'd love to the type of people we'd love to be in our life then we'll be that way when we go to extended families and things like that absolutely and so we got to know for our own kids is that our own kids experience of the holidays will be their starting point for when they get older mm-hmm. right and so if they look back and be like we were always at like some uncle's house that we didn't even never saw the rest <laughs> of the year we never did anything together and like you have to kind of sometimes pull back and evaluate and i think it's important particularly for married couples to sit down and talk about the issues of the holidays. Talk about fears, worries, and stress. Like, be mm-hmm. on the same page. And then talk about expectations. What are our expectations? But then talk about, like, how do we make our family unit experience joy and peace and holiness during the holidays so that we can pe- keep the main thing the main thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then extend from there. But if we don't have those conversations, then you don't... If you're not intentional about it, it's just not going to happen. Maybe you should put on a seminar. Intentional like holiday. First Sunday of Advent. <laughs> <laughs> Intentional holiday with Paul and Adam. Come. So, so with Christ, like he, the people can't, the circumstances can't dictate our joy, peace, and happiness. Like we, with Christ, we have to begin to make some really good decisions and set really good boundaries and have talk about expectations and deal with our own stuff during the holidays. You know, I got a call from a friend this week and said, Hey, the holidays are coming up. I'm, I'm stressing out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're having issues with, you know, their parents and, you know, married with kids. And, you know, it's like, I don't know what to do. Like, when do I not say something? And when do I say something, mm-hmm. you know, when, when do I just be Christ to them? And when, when do I be Christ, but actually be bold in saying something? When do I just understand that they're not changing and I just don't need to let their attitude and ways to steal my joy? So there's no black and white to this. No, it's not easy. You know, so, so that's why I think the third point is this, is that at the end of the day, we're called to be Christ to the people around us, in particular our family, right? And so when Jesus says, love your neighbor... 
I mean, the first people were first neighbors were called to love are the people inside of our home. Like, you know, like our brother and sister down the hall and our, the husband and wife, like, like this is our neighbor. And then from there, it's our family. Like our family becomes like, how do we become Christ? How do we, how do we be a beacon of light to the rest of our family? It's only through Jesus. Yeah. And that the joy of Christmas is not an abstract joy, but it's a very real experience of who Christ is. So, for example, Christ comes, why? To save us from our sins and to renew the face of the earth, to redeem mankind, right? That's what we celebrate at Christmas. If we really want to experience Christmas joy, we have to give Christ the opportunity to redeem certain aspects of our lives that are difficult or uncomfortable. Um, And so this is part of the joy of this work of every Christian, of every holiday season, if you will, is that if we work for peace and unity in our families, we will experience the joy that only Christ can bring, which is he's going to do it. He's going to show up, and it's not going to be perfect after Christmas, but we'll see Christ actually move and work that year. And this fills the Christian's heart with joy. When we see Christ working in the world and blessing people, this is why we do what we do, you know? Absolutely. All right, this is good. We're going to rattle off the hot topic of six-pack questions. Question. Hot topic number one. Ooh, around the (laughs) holiday season. Paul, have you ever been in a situation... Well, I don't want you to give too many details away. Let me ask it this way then. Do you have memories of very intense tension at holidays? um, And how did you react to that? You know, I, my parents were divorced when I was a kid, and so holidays, it was a different experience. I think both of my parents tried to make the holidays the best they were, but the reality of divorce is that it's just, you know, it, it there's division already. Like, you mm-hmm. don't even have to try to have it. It just is what it is. What I didn't realize as I became an adult is that that affected the way that I would do adult holidays and experience joy or lack thereof. And so it really wasn't until I was able to acknowledge that. Like my experience, although my parents did the best they could, as well as they could, my experience, you know, there were times where I was alone or felt, you know, like the dysfunction and then I carried it over. And then my wife would be like, why are you unhappy? Like, even you know, like, why are you this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? So it wasn't until I was really able to recognize that, acknowledge that, I was able to change the behavior. And so that was a real big breakthrough for me, actually. Wow. Cool. Yeah. All right. So you talked about um, the the advent of ice cream eggnog mm-hmm. or eggnog ice cream. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that if you got through through the rest of the year. So so is there is food's a big deal in South Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it really is a way that we have family is eating around the table. Okay. And so what is your best tip for conversation around the table with your family? So this is something that I actually think a lot about, and we talk together as a family often because I have many children all under the age of 10. And so a productive conversation at the dinner table every day is not going to happen by accident. Right. So we talk often about what you should be talking about, what not. But I like to boil it down to the purpose of communicating communicate is communion to be in union with Hmm. and you unite together 
through words and visiting, mainly by sharing your thoughts about things. Right. Well, first by sharing facts. Like, this is happening in yes. my day, yes. it's happening in my life, whatever. So you share facts. Two, by sharing your thoughts on things. This is what I think about that. And then third, by sharing your feelings about things. I, I You know, that makes me feel this way. And then fourth and most vulnerable is our needs. Like, this is what I need. Hmm. So I need today or this year. And so if I'm struggling at family conversations, especially at high-intensity times like Christmas and whatever else, am I actually saying those kinds of things? Like, for example, am I asking people what they think about things or how things make them feel? Buckle up. Do you need anything? <laughs> yeah, it could open up a big can of worms, you know? Right. But it, it, but it lets people know you care. Right. And you it's know? real communion. And I think that's what people, you know, especially people who are hard uh, to talk to or, you know, maybe jaded or you have, when, when, they, when you come across as though you care, like it just completely softens them. Yep. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, I kind of follow that formula, even talking with strangers is I'll start with facts. Like what's going on in your life? What's new? How did this go? Then move to, oh, what do you think about that? Then move to a discussion on the feeling level and then the need level. And if I could kind of navigate there, I mean, that's two hours worth of work right there. You made it. Congrats. Right. <laughs> Question number three. Yes. Um, so Paul... Family is not just an issue at the holidays, but throughout the year, yep. right? But like you said, it kind of comes to forefront at the holidays. So I'm curious, what sometimes boundaries do need to be set in relationships, yep. and we can't just be best friends with everybody in our extended family. Like, right. That just can't happen. So how do you how do you navigate the the waters of setting boundaries at holidays because boundaries during the year make more sense right like i'll just mm -hmm. see this person so often but at the holidays like you have to be together right so how do you set boundaries in difficult contexts like that well i mean there's levels of boundaries we can get into uh, i think if if a relationship is harmful for you don't be around it if there is a relationship that steals your your joy and like just completely drags you down you have to really give yourself space. So you can be around family, but you might not be comfortable engaging in certain relationships because it's not good for you, right? And so sometimes boundaries are like really important for the health of us, right? And there may be times it's like, nah, I just can't be around those people this holiday. And you see, sometimes you gotta do what's best for your sanity, your peace, and your own family unit, right? Um, and then sometimes boundaries are just more conversational. Mm -hmm. Like I know there's a boundary with this person that there's just certain things like I just shouldn't talk about or discuss because I, I know that it's, it's only going to bring up, you know, complete and total chaos. Right. Yeah. So just knowing those things, but I think being intentional about it going in so that you don't find yourself, uh, don't, you don't put yourself in a situation where you continually get hurt. Yeah, that's great. Because, I mean, sticking to surface-level conversation sometimes is a clear boundary we should have in our mind yeah. with this particular person. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they, you might go deep with them, and you're like, oh, I was just trying to share with them, and they can spin it, and then they start talking about you. I don't know what that relationship is, but we all probably have experienced you know, people who, who can take things the wrong way. Yeah. Okay, question number four. Okay, yeah. So, um, 
so traveling over the holidays, what's your advice? Uh, do you do you stay home? Do you, do you travel a lot? Do you go to all the pay- like like is there a is there a healthy sort of way of looking at like how do we overextend ourselves basically or not overextend ourselves in the holiday? Well, I guess I could only give you our experience is that we felt overextended pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so we went just a couple years into our marriage with a policy of like, all right, on Christmas Day, we're not going anywhere. We're just going to stay home. Around Christmas, we can go places, but we can't overextend ourselves. But then that experience of just being together on Christmas in a simple way um, allowed us to kind of balance that out a little more to where it's not such a hard and fast thing, but we know that we need time, extended time at Christmas, just us, with nothing else to do but to be together. Like, right. we need that as a family, yep. we notice. Not every family necessarily needs that. It's good, though. Yeah, it's good, uh, in the way that we need it. So, for example, we need, like, a good day. Right. It might not be Christmas Day, but maybe the day after, or very close to it, where we're just home that day. Right. You know? Some people, it might just be a half a day or an right. hour, or going to Mass together might be where you're at. Like, let's all go to Mass together as a family, and that's our family time. Right. Um. But I do think it's important to recognize what are the needs of our immediate family, and let's meet those first before we meet the needs of the extended family and not the other way around. The temptation is to do the other way around. It's like we give our extended family the best of us, and then whatever's left over, which is usually exhausted, we give to each other. It should be the opposite. Amen. Yeah. Question number five. So, Paul George. Cinco. (laughs) um, What's one thing you want to work on? This holiday season as you prepare for these extended family gatherings for yourself so i have a tendency to think ahead I have a tendency to already think about the new year goals objectives plans um and have a hard time just like just being in the present moment not stressing during the holidays and so i think as i've had this conversation today and I, I gave a talk on this not long ago. Like I've actually been thinking about that question. Is like I I just want to actually be in the present moment. And I think one of the ways that we experience the most joy and enjoy things is that when we give ourselves permission to just be present in the present moment. And that's what I'm going to work on. So it's with this kid, with this present, with this meal, with this family member at this function. I just want to be present to those things. Because I find what steals my joy is I'm thinking about other things and worrying about other things. And there's really nothing I can do about it anyway, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's my intentional plan Mm. this holiday. I think a lot of people are going to steal that plan. Steal it. We all take each other's ideas. Okay, last question, question number six. Um, A lot of times we can have very lofty spiritual expectations over the holidays, (sighs) particularly for our family. And we try to do all these things. And I think sometimes it might be a little too much. We want to go to mass all the time and pray together all the time. And those are all good things and, and very good suggestions. But if what would be like a couple or one really good thing is like if to simplify um, having a spiritual experience as a family, but not having expectations that you can't accomplish to where it's like we completely failed at the Jesse tree or whatever the case may be. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think one, depending on the age of your kids, you really should include everyone in the conversations ahead of time. What do we want to accomplish 
That's a good right. That's a good point because really the de- we have to respect as parents, and this is where Catholic parents can often go astray. And I'm saying that as a Catholic parent, who often, but you know, our family is not something we do. It's not a project we have. Mm. It's a gift from God, mm. and it's not just a gift to us. It's a gift to our kids, right? And they're and, part of it. And they're part of it. So their desires, what helps them on their journey, spiritually speaking, is important. They and, have free will. Yeah, and if, if they've experienced the same tradition, let's say the Jesse tree for three years, and then I ask them, like, what do you think is helpful for your spiritual journey around this time? Right. If they don't mention the Jesse tree, I need to pay attention to that. Good you know point. what I mean? Because if point. I'm putting all this effort into something that's not working, my kid is just... But yep. if they do mention, you know, I really like when we do this, and it's a very simple thing, well, great. Well, how could we do that better this year? What... You know, so anyway, I, that would be my first tip is to include your kids, depending on age, in the discussion about what is to be done hmm. in respecting them as participating. That's and then, a great, great idea. No matter how old your kids are, I think that's a good question yeah. to ask. Yeah, especially if you've repeated some things for a few years. Mm-hmm. Do they have the value they need to have? Um, and then, two, you just got to, I think, give up Facebook a little bit hmm. during the holiday season. Dude, a little bit. Dude, that like, that resonates. Yeah, me. yeah. Because you're gonna set expectations for yourself that are just not and good. it's based on other people's mm-hmm. and and comparing with other people. That's huge, man. Like honestly, like I think yeah. that's great advice to like just you know get rid of all the all the fray on the edges and just focus in. And one is taking a break from social media. Yeah. Well, and I'll give a third just because I think it's something I've discovered over the past few years has really been meaningful. Is you know the the gospel is not foreign to anything that's good throughout the world, right? And there's so many ways to celebrate Christmas. Goodness gracious. So many Catholic ways and also so many non-Catholic Christian ways to celebrate Christmas. They're just all over the place. And depending on what our family dynamic is, I think we have to be willing to include our big family, our extended family's traditions, spiritually speaking, even if they're not the most dynamic, into our immediate family's traditions. For example, if you know the big family... Um, likes to do you know christmas eve this thing right let's like for example my family we like to go to uh, my aunt's house and do a gumbo on christmas eve and i used to think this is terrible like i want to be focusing on you know i got masses to be at i'm a musician like you know i don't want to be just small talking with people on christmas eve you know so we didn't go a couple years and it was a terrible mistake because really i could have used that time i mean it's a good thing to get together on christmas eve right could have used that time to let jesus work in my family, you know, and in me. Um, so wherever we can participate in our extended family spiritual traditions, even if we think they're not the most grandiose or well-planned, the Lord wants us to participate in those before we do other things, before we do like some crazy novena or, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like before That's we... a good way to love people and love Jesus. Yeah, because the thing is, we are our family. Yeah. We have to face that, and we can't run from that by running to some traditions we think are hardcore for christmas just because we think we'll be super catholics i've got to embrace who we really are you know amen to that that was great great show man i'm excited about this so everyone mood please need to get some eggnog share the show uh (laughs) share the experience thanks so much for listening you find the show on itunes or soundcloud or google play uh find out more information on what we're doing at discovertheartofliving.com and you get the book rethink happiness which would help you over the holidays to experience true joy in your life Paul and Adam, we'll be back next week. God bless.